Welcome back to Gospel-Centered Rest, a podcast where we discuss topics of life and theology and how Christ's promise of rest for the weary and heavy laden gives us strength for today and hope for tomorrow. I am here with pastors David Robinson and Byron Burton. It has been a while, gentlemen. It has. Hey, good to be here. Nice to be back. It is nice to uh, to be back and chit-chatting about about the scriptures together, some theology together, um, and today even focusing on some things concerning what rest means in the life of the believer, because David, Sunday. Yeah, Acts 15. Acts 15. It's a very interesting passage. It is. It's got a little bit of everything in there, yep. a little yep. bit of flavor for everyone. Yeah. Right, Byron? Hey, hey. Absolutely. Hey, hey. All right. <laughs> <laughs> David. David, why don't yep. you walk us through some of those main themes? I mean, like, before we get there, I will say, if you haven't heard the sermon on Sunday, go back and listen to it. Um, that'll help provide some context. But David. Yeah. I think a few things struck me as I, I studied the passage. And first of all, it was a very difficult time in the church because there, there was a big disagreement mm-hmm. um, on uh, how, how are we saved? Are, are we saved by works? Or are we saved by grace? saved through faith and um there and it had the potential to divide and uh, lord willing as we travel um this coming sunday at the end of acts 15 mm-hmm. and 16 we saw that it united um even though there was the division between uh barnabas and, and paul yeah uh but that that wasn't that, that was more of a difference over um a co-worker rather than the gospel <laughs> But how, and then by extension, as you travel through this passage, how clear the gospel is and yep. how, um, as a result of that, how it brought unity. And I think there is a lot to be said in uh, times of disagreement that, um, that there is unity in a clear understanding of the gospel. Now, it's easy to say, well, th- I mean, it, should it be that easy? Absolutely not. Like it's, it's hard to remove the emotion from this passage. You imagine the Jews coming and say, you must. And, yeah. um, and we actually read in Acts 15 that there was, um, that there was a, a serious argument and debate. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, but the encouraging thing is they, they remain focused, right? Yeah. Like there's serious argument and debate over a lot of things today. Yes, there <laughs> is. Um, but it, it, it they they would and and we said this you know Acts fifteen is almost the middle of the passage or the book and after Acts fifteen is going to be the focus on um, the missions to the Gentiles and it mm-hmm. had been leading up to that so it was kind of this hinge like leaving the Jews and going to Gentile leaving Jerusalem and going to Antioch yeah are is it are we saved uh, the same way mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. Ex, I mean it's an exciting passage and it's a um, it's a hinge passage, I think, in, in Acts. What I love about this passage is, uh, and, and the book of Acts, is that it provides not just the theological understanding like of a lot of things, but also like the narrative yeah. kind of behind, um, like as you're reading like a book like Romans, uh, or you're reading like uh, Hebrews, or you're reading one of the other epistles, these, these men were writing those books during a lot of what was going on here. Um, in the book of Acts. And so you see the, the real life examples of, of the theology that they were writing about uh, written here that Luke 
records here in Acts. And like you're saying, this this uh, this hard gospel conversation, yeah. it's turning into a buzzword. Yeah. But I think it's a it's a it's a good one to keep bringing back yeah. in, into our minds as we're interacting with one another. Because like you said, there are things going on. Uh, in the world today that are just full, like yeah. things just seem full of dissension. Yeah. And it, but isn't it okay to be allowed to have difficult conversations? Yeah. Like it, you are yeah. just free yeah. to have those difficult conversations. I mean, you think we talked a bit about marriage or about parenting or mm-hmm. friendships, whatever it might be. Um, don't give up on the God, on the difficult conversations. And, and sometimes it's Acts 15 is a worthwhile reminder to say, how well are we, understanding the gospel and how well are we living out the gospel because that may help us to a place where um, we find a resolution to a difficult conversation in a completely different way definitely byron were there things from this passage i know you 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 had the privilege of reading it on sunday for everyone um but as you look at a passage like this are, are there things that that stick out to you um that kind of surprise you about you know what's what's talked about, how it's talked about, whatever, anything? I guess it's just the humanity that comes out. You know, the people, real life. These guys Mm -hmm. show up. They're absolutely convinced. They're not asking questions. They're, They're categorical, absolute statements. This must, this cannot. And yet later on you realize they haven't been asked to do this. They haven't been authorized to do this, but they're absolutely convinced that what they're saying is true. And you think, all right, this is real people. We come to convictions, Mm -hmm. and we can be very, very strong in our convictions, but our level of conviction has nothing to do with whether we are actually in accord with the gospel or the word of God or not. Mm -hmm. We've got to bring it back and evaluate it, and that's exactly what they do. Yeah. They bring it back. Yes, they're in serious arguments, so they're not just saying, oh, well, it doesn't matter. It does matter. These are key things. And Mm -hmm. obviously, Paul, otherwise, like when they were trying to say um, Titus or Timothy had to be circumcised, you know, he basically says, over my dead body. No, he doesn't, because that's got Mm -hmm. nothing to do with his salvation. But then with the other one, yeah, sure, why not? Because if that can help people listen to us, great. So it's just the context makes such a difference. So you see that whole thing happening as they go up. And I guess I'm struck, you know, when they go up, they meet with the apostles and the elders. And we haven't really heard about the elders Mm -hmm. before. And yet they're established there. They were part of Judaism. And James shows up in in that context as well. They're the reputed leaders. Uh, Paul talks about them as the pillars, Mm -hmm. Peter and John. And James, and it's not James the Apostle, it's James, Jesus' brother. And you think, mm-hmm. fascinating how God worked their history, their culture as part of the church, and it was a healthy way that they're working together, they're talking together, and they're in absolute agreement about, okay, we're going to follow what God has to say here. They give people that opportunity to speak, and yet then they come back, well, let's remember this is what God said to Peter. This is what happened. And then, all right, what's been going on in the churches? And then James, you know, you've got these Mm. different, Peter speaking, Paul and Barnabas contributing what God's been doing, James bringing it back to, this has been history. So they come together, as he says, in agreement with the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not just one guy's idea. It's not because somebody had a 
powerful personality that right. that bulldozed the rest. They came to agreement. Did everyone agree? No, we see that in the rest of the book. But the core were in clear agreement as to what was essential and what wasn't. Yeah. Now, David, on Sunday, you were talking about how, um, well, we're, I can't remember the exact word you said, but they, there is a dispute in Antioch, and they're having this difficult conversation. Mm-hmm. But you were talking about what they focused on, even though these conversations were taking place, and even though there were these things. Can you yeah. share a little bit about that with us, about where their focus truly was during this, and, and how that made such a big difference to how they carried out this hard, difficult gospel conversation? Yeah, they, they wanted to go back to the Old Testament mm-hmm. and, and uh, Genesis 12 and 17 and say, you need to be circumcised. And if you need to be circumcised, it's obviously connected with the law. So you need to live out the law. And that's why it was so striking at the beginning of Acts 15 where the, um, the uh, or Paul and Barnabas, when they were speaking, people were filled with joy when they heard yeah. the gospel message. And yeah. then in part of what Peter says later on, he says, like, why are we going to lay these burdens on these people? So you, you get a, mm. you, sometimes we understand the gospel or sometimes we can preach the gospel in such a way or a view of the gospel where we just lay burdens on people um, mm. and burdens that they can't carry. So um, you have in part an understanding uh, and, and that's the that's part of what Acts 15 does is it just gives such a clear gospel presentation. God pursues, God changes um, our hearts uh, God uh, sends his Holy Spirit. God uh, brings us to a place of repentance. God cleanses us. And then that clear statement in verse 11 that we're saved by grace. Mm-hmm. And th- that is that is the clinching statement where it can't be circumcision, ritual, all of that. It can't be um, the law because we couldn't, the Israel, Peter saying, we didn't even do that well. Um, it's going to be God's gift. It's going to be this gracious gift. Mm-hmm. And then you begin to understand that's why there was so much joy. I right. mean, it was in, it, it's not me, it's not my story, it's God's story. And God's story sets me free. Um, and, and part of the grace is he, he, like we said, he cleanses us, he changes us, he pursues us. He, yeah. I mean, just he, we talked about that a bit on Sunday morning. Just the thought that he changes us um, is, or no, sorry, cleanses us. Like how much guilt and shame. Mm-hmm live with um, and yet we're, we're reminded that we, we could never do that but Christ has done it mm-hmm. uh, so well for us so I think that's that's um, and then and then the strike the other striking thing is how um, James didn't go back to the Old Testament in the sense of that's why you have the four laws right um, he went back to the Old Testament Amos to talk about how we read the Bible that the Old Testament has to be brought um, to Jesus, and and that's a, I didn't get to that Sunday morning, but that's where I actually think uh, Paul saying or or James saying at the end of the letter in verse twenty one, and since ancient times Moses has had those who proclaim him in every city and every Sabbath day, he is read aloud in the synagogues. Yeah, and it's like, well, James, that's really like I could see you ending with the four laws or the four yeah. regulations yeah. brought on the Gentiles, which we saw as you know pagan worship. So he's basically saying to the Gentiles like. You need to repent and don't worship pagan gods. You need to be a God worshiper. You need to be a God uh, fearing person. Um, and that means you, you, got, you have to repent. You have to turn away from that. But verse 21 is so strange because it goes back to, well, God's 
um, Moses is red. And, but why, why would it, but it makes perfect sense because James has just taught them how to read what yeah. Moses said. Yeah. And so he's saying, um, Moses is red. So Jews, you should actually understand this. Mm-hmm. You should actually see that this is like Jesus. Um, you know, you just Amos, um, who rebuilt David's tent, Jesus. What did he do? He welcomed in the Gentiles. So it's, he has a word for the Gentiles. Uh, you need to repent from pagan worship. And then he has a word for the Jews. You need to see Jesus. Um, so it, it, I'm just saying that, you know, it's amazing how James ministered to the Jews as well. Sometimes the, it's like, oh, Jews were treated. James ministered well to the Jews and said, listen, when you read the law of Moses every Sunday, you know, consider Jesus. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and he'd bring them to Jesus. So, James did an amazing pastoral job for both Gentile and Jews. Yeah, like he, like you're saying, he used God's story to answer um, yeah. the question and the dispute that was going on and, and the challenge of yeah. what they were working through. But he used the story of redemption. And, yeah. and I mean, look how we can learn from that, yeah. you know, in our own um, disagreements. You yeah. know, how can we use God's story to speak to our disagreement rather than, you know, getting all fired up and well we can we can know. do what we can we can use the bible as a almost a weapon to, yes. to win yes. our battles. Yeah. And the Jews were coming back and saying, you know, you you need to be under this and James is coming along and saying, listen, the, the old testament points us to the coming of Christ. And that's why it's important to also know that the emphasis and we'll see this um in Acts 16 verse 4 this coming Sunday that um the the church is built on Jesus as the chief cornerstone um, and the apostles and the prophets. So that's why James could say it, it seems good to us um, because God has given the, the unique function of, function of the apostles with authority. Um, so, they were, so the church was bound to them. Mm-hmm. And, and it's also interesting because the question sometimes comes up today. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. if you should drink blood. And I remember early on in my ministry, yeah. I was in um, a place in Minnesota, and there was a lot of Laotians there. And I would, uh, they would invite me over for a meal, and they were amazing cooks. I learned to love sticky rice. I don't know what it's called, but that's that's what I called it. You <laughs> you boil yeah. the rice together, and then you, and but they had this blood sauce, and I I was I was clear of conscience to, so some people will say, oh, you broke, you know, but. That's, that's why I think in Acts 15, it's so important that um, there was a cultural element to this as yes. well, where they're yep. saying, uh, like, I wasn't worship, I wasn't doing pagan worship. Mm-hmm. Um, I was sharing in hospitality uh, with um, either, uh, I, you know, I would probably say that they were very young believers. And, and not mm-hmm. to share in their hospitality, I thought, would have been damaging to the gospel um, and to, to my relationship with them. So it's not it's not in a sense of okay now we or I have to make sure every animal that you know all the meat that I eat that somehow it's not strangled like I don't I don't have that in my mind because it's mm-hmm. um, but it, the 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 law basically or the regulation is um, you have salvation and you have repentance and I need to repent from my idols I need yes. to repent from my pagan worship I need to repent from you know, my pride and, and all of those things. I went on long. Sorry, no, no, that's good. you probably had like five things to say and I cut you <laughs> off on all of them. Well, I was, I was going to actually ask you a question, Byron. Are you ready for my question? Go for it. So, 
um, one of the things that we've been talking about a little bit is, is um, who is it that, that mentions we shouldn't burden the people in the passage? Um, it's Peter. Verse 19. So, so Peter says, verse 19, therefore, is this the, is this the verse you're, you're referring to? Uh, verse, verse 10. Verse 10. Yeah. Okay. So verse 10, he says, now then, why are you, res- why are you testing God by, by putting a yoke on the disciples' necks that neither our ancestors nor we have been able to able to bear. Now, when you think of like the church today, Byron, how do you think the church has put um, burdens on people, or how how do you think we can sometimes put burdens on ourselves or put burdens on on people that are just not helpful? That um, that when in light of the gospel, those are unnecessary burdens and they're not going to provide rest, but rather frustration and anger. <laughs> so I'm go glad ahead, you Byron. Asked Byron that yeah, one. there you go, Byron. Wow. Yeah, in in thirty seconds or less, please, Byron. Just solve well, we got we us. we have four minutes. Well, three minutes now. <laughs> right. I'd say it's a constant thing that we have to ask ourselves. Mm. We get used to a particular way of doing things. And it's all too easy to assume that that is the proper and only way to do things. And as soon as we make those assumptions and start putting them as expectations on other people, we're in that same realm. Mm. Um, I think it's easy. Like, I didn't grow up Jewish. Mm. So I didn't have the history. Imagine what it would be like. Your whole life has been bound up in this particular way of doing things. And what's being advocated here is totally contrary it's a total life change yeah how shocking that would be so on the one hand we see god's grace that this was unanimous they say in terms of the apostles and the elders as they release this statement and yet they're very gracious as david had said with those who are struggling with this it's not mm. an easy thing. And we read Paul's letters, and he obviously keeps coming back to it in church after church and area after area. It kept coming up. This wasn't easy. So in our day and age, how much time do we take to say, is this the only way to do it? Mm-hmm. Is this really a gospel issue? Or is this a preference issue? Is this a convenience issue? Is this my Baptistic way of doing things? Is this a Reformed way of doing things? Whatever language we want to put on it, we get into habits and we can quickly assume that that's the only way to do it. Mm. And if we don't keep re-evaluating, we can fall into the same pattern that the Judaizers did. And it becomes divisive. And we see Paul speak to that and the apostles speak to that that division and rather than unity, right? If we can. Yeah. The, the one thing I guess I would add is that they were insisting this was essential for salvation. Right. Yeah. That becomes the key. Sometimes, oh, you're being a Pharisee gets thrown away, (laughs) thrown around really easily. Yeah. And is somebody actually making it essential for salvation? Divide between the two, be clear of what's essential for salvation and what isn't. And then be willing to evaluate what do you think makes a good Christian or a right belief, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Work that through yeah. biblically. Yeah. Well, what would you add, I, David? Well, I like what you I mean, I like what you said, and especially at the beginning, because when James talked about, you know, the being polluted with idols and abstaining sexual immorality and all of that, that wasn't easy. No. 
Um, so laying a burden on someone doesn't mean that it's not going to be difficult for us to live out the gospel of Christ um, and, and to know that it's by grace through faith, in Jesus empowered by the Holy Spirit. Um, so, uh, I mean, I think the Gentiles, they were, they were glad to receive this news, but it's, you can imagine how the, you have this way of life for the Jews. And that's the part of the beauty of the book of Acts is there's a progression that you have moving away from that. But it would have been the same for the Gentiles as well. Their life was immersed in pagan worship. Sure. And I think part of laying, this is what Acts 15 does, is laying burdens on one another is, as you mentioned, it becomes necessary. So you have people, you have to obey yeah. the Sabbath a certain way. That is necessary. And if you don't, then they call into question your Christianity. But yeah. part of laying a burden on, and and. Part of it is understanding that in the Old Testament, they couldn't even do it. So sometimes we lay a burden on people knowing, like you can do this at the end of a sermon. You have an application and you say, now you have to live this way. Yeah. And you know that nobody can live that way. <laughs> but that's kind of like the law. Like they, they couldn't live that way. So so that's where, you know, Acts 15, again, is such a pastoral um, chapter because the rest that we have in Christ is not that the demands lessen. In fact, in the New Covenant, they become greater Mm-hmm. Um, it's so it's not that the law is lessened it's that uh, we have Christ with us in us the Holy Spirit yeah. God our Father who enables us um, in our weakness to sometimes and it's a very frail attempt sometimes but to move beyond our pagan worship and that's the beauty and that's why I love what you said is that's the beauty of of what's happening here in Acts 15 is um, it's it, it would have been very difficult for both Jew and Gentile to learn from this just as it's so often difficult for Jew and Gentile, or for for us to learn from from Scripture, uh, but God walks with us in a very fatherly sort of way. He, does, yeah. he doesn't. He didn't, and that's why we walk away. In, in fact, we walk away saying we're like we're filled with joy and saying we're going to make a big mess of this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I'll go back to my family and I'll mess things up again. But I'm filled with joy because of God's grace and because of the Holy Spirit. And he's going to teach me through this. So the further I grow in him, the further I grow away from pagan worship to God worship and mm-hmm. just that journey and sanctification. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we sometimes take that be holy because I am holy. Yeah. Right out of, you know, context. Yeah. Um, and even when Peter mentions it, he just finishes explaining how Christ has become your holiness. Christ has become your living yeah. hope. Uh, your eternity is with is with the Lord, yeah. and you have the Holy Spirit. You have Jesus. You have everything He's given you. All these great, um, immeasurable, amazing gifts, mm-hmm. because of which you are clothed in His righteousness. And then He talks about a call to a holy living. So, um, so we can't we you, you can't separate yeah. you can't separate yeah. the goodness of what He's given us from yeah. that from that call to holiness. Yeah. Good. Do you guys want to say anything else before we say goodbye? Oh, man. No, I'm done. You're done? Probably like the listeners. He's tired. The listeners are... (laughs) Are you ready for a nap? (laughs) (laughs) Good stuff. Thanks, uh, Tyler. I appreciate the conversation, and... If you're if you're listening, if if you're one of the privileged few who are uh, <laughs> emphasis on the few, <laughs> yeah, who are who are listening, you can check us out online at gracegolf.com. You yeah, can also cool. listen to past episodes, and 
if you so feel the need to, and we'd appreciate it, um, whatever platform you're on listening to our podcast, if you would give us a, give us a like and give us a, give us a rating five star would be, would be great. (laughs) It just helps get this out there. Um, get the message of the gospel and the message of rest in Christ out there for others to listen to. So thanks for joining us until next time.